Hi everyone, it's Amy here. Before we begin, Daniel and I would like to acknowledge that the sound is not as crisp as we'd ordinarily like for one of our episodes, and we apologise for that. We would also like to thank Victor Brinkat from Pat the Cat Studios for his work in fixing up my mistakes. Cool, we're on air. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Rated E for Educational. If you've ever watched a movie and thought, why is everyone at this school a model? Then this is the show for you. Today we are reviewing the most fetch movie ever, Mean Girls. Stop, Stop trying, trying to make, make fetch, fetch happen. happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> My name is Amy Cotton and with me is Daniel Cohen and we're both from Teacher Learning Network and we're your hosts today. So, Daniel, um, tell me, did you watch this film growing up? I actually can't remember when I first saw this. It's one of those films that I feel like I've, I've always known. Um, I, I actually really, really enjoy this film. Uh, there are so many wonderful moments throughout, and I think I can really relate to the main character because I see a lot of myself, um, not the fact that, I think I'm a model. Um, the, the things that uh, the characters had to go through just have so many echoes to what I went through at my high school. Um, but I've seen this so many times. It's one of those films that if it's on TV, I'll stop flicking channels and just watch this one and enjoy it just as much as the last time I watched it. Yeah, I, I really love this film. And um, to me, it strikes a lot of chords. I went to a single-sex girls' school. And um, although there are boys in this school, the story is definitely about the girls, yes. hence mean girls. Uh, and to me, even when I meet up with old buddies from school, we often talk about the plastics being highly representative of part of our cohort yep. in high school. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it even um, it, it helped us redefine and understand what happened to us in high school. <laughs> A lot of talking, a lot of thinking about it afterwards. Yep. yep. When was this film made, Daniel? So this film was released in April of 2004. No. I was well and truly an adult by then. Yes. Wow. I thought it was older than that. So did I. Uh, I was teaching by that point. Me too. So clearly I watched this as an adult, but gee, I think it taps into one of those uh, those inner thoughts that I have and my memories of being a teenager that it just feels like it's always been there. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't released until two thousand four. Uh, it was released at the same time as the third Harry Potter film, uh, The Passion of the Christ, Fifty First Dates, Kill Bill Two, Fahrenheit Nine Eleven, <laughs> The Notebook. <laughs> Sorry for revealing my thoughts about uh, that. And, and of course, The Amazing Team America was released at the same time. Quality film. Uh, Million Dollar Ma Baby that won the Oscar was that year too. Okay. An interesting year of film. Very much so. Lindsay Lohan won a bunch of breakout star or actress awards from youth-oriented galas such as the Teen Choice and the MTV Awards. Uh, so this was at the peak of when Lindsay Lohan was making her way into Hollywood. Yeah, the golden age of Lindsay the Lohan. The golden age indeed. 
Uh, this film is aimed at teenagers, so it does have a pretty blunt message, um, but it does come across as a little bit simplistic in the way it goes through uh, the themes. Um, the context of this movie. In 2004, earlier in 2004, uh, same-sex marriage in the United States was a big issue. Uh, the county and city of San Francisco began issuing marriage license to same-sex couples. And in May that year in Massachusetts, uh, same-sex marriage was legalized. So uh, there were some political things going around uh, gender equality and uh, marriage equality. Uh, which are relevant to some of the themes that were in this film. The, this film was originally uh, meant to have a much higher R rating. Hey, we're doing a lunchtime survey of new students. Can you answer a few questions? Okay. Is your muffin buttered? What? Would you like us to assign someone to butter your muffin? I what? It was... Uh, through some edits that it ended up getting the lower PG-13 thir uh, PG rating in the US, uh, they changed some of the lines, like uh, the line made out with a hot dog was originally meant to be more graphic. And when uh, the character Katie was uh, first in the cafeteria uh, and that other student came up to ask her the survey questions and he said, if your, your muffin, muffin buttered? has been buttered, uh, that was originally meant to be different word choices, uh, but it was toned down so that they could get a more friendly uh, rating. It's funny when they tone films down like that, um, often they end up better because you've had to use your imagination a bit more and it's just a quirkier way of saying something. I find the choices that they used were much more entertaining mm. and much funnier and much more quotable yeah. after you've watched the film. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it just would have been coarse and you just been dismissed it as, yeah, that happened, but nothing to quote. Absolutely. Yeah. Amy, did you know Tina Fey, who wrote the screenplay for this movie and also starred as Mrs. Norbury, mm -hmm. uh, she, was, she has identified herself as a mean girl in high school. I can understand that yes she's very um quick-witted she is so i can see that being on the receiving end of her quips would uh, make me feel but i think uh one of the things in the uh information that we've gathered uh was that she identifies herself as doing it to be mean not just to be quick-witted to respond mm. um this movie is actually based on a book uh Tina Fey planned to adapt the book Queen Bees and Wannabes uh, into a film. Uh, she didn't realise when she originally did it that it was a guidebook that had no fictional narrative. So the narrative of this film has been created for it. Right. But the concept was planned uh, based on this book, Queen Bees and Wannabes. Uh, the book, in the book, the most popular girl is given the title Queen Bee. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the movie, the character who fits that description is named Regina, mm -hmm. which means queen in Latin. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that really makes me happy, on August 13th in 2013, the White House tweeted a photo of the Obama's dog, Bo, holding a tennis ball in his mouth with the caption, Bo, 
Stop trying to make fetch happen. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it, it really makes me happy because in my own way, I think I've tried to make fetch happen. <laughs> and it's purely because of uh, how entertaining that line was in the movie. Oh, I, I use fetch all the time. I think everybody I know does. So it, it happened. <laughs> um, the final thing that I thought I'd share Amanda Seyfried? Seyfried? Seyfried, yeah, I think so. Forgive me, Amanda. I'm sorry. She's uh, a she, listener of it. <laughs> absolutely. She played Karen in the film. Uh, she initially auditioned and was supposed to play Katie, uh, but Lauren Michaels, the producer, thought that she would fit better as the dumb girl, and I think she played the part very well. You're not stupid, Karen. No, I am actually. I'm failing almost everything. Well, there must be something you're good at. I can put my whole fist in my mouth. Wanna see? No. That's okay. Anything else? I'm kind of psychic. I have a bit sense. What do you mean? It's like I have ESPN or something. My breasts can always tell when it's gonna rain. Really? That's amazing. Well, they can tell when it's raining. <sighs> she was exceptional. She was like, actually always my favourite bit of a <laughs> film. Um, because she just put so much um, conviction into it. So. Oh, it's so convincing. Yeah. She's so wonderful in that role. <laughs> and I've seen many other things with her and seen her interviewed. Uh, and it is an amazing job that she did acting that dumb. Yeah, yeah. No, she's wonderful. She's Intelligent woman. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> great, great work. Thumbs up. So, Amy, uh, we've already alluded to a couple of the things that we love from this movie. Uh, could you give us a bit of a rundown of the story? Sure. The main character, Katie, is played by Lindsay Lohan. She's a 16-year-old girl and she has just returned to the USA. So she's been in Africa with her parents. So her parents are both zoologists. She's come to America and she's only ever been homeschooled before this. And this is her first foray into attending a, a normal comprehensive school. And with that premise, the conceit is that we're examining high school from the eyes of somebody who's never experienced high school before, uh, which is a nice little fresh way to do it uh, because obviously most viewers of this film would have actually attended high school and be well um aware of the practices that happen in those places. Anyway, Katie is very much unprepared for her first day and it's with she makes friends very quickly with Janice and Damien. They help her understand the various cliques and groups that are within the school. She is a, sort of warned to stay away from a, a group called the Plastics and the Plastics are so-called because they're perfect um, sort of Barbie doll girls um, so there's a three of them led by Regina George, who's played by Rachel McAdams. Wonderfully, I think. I, I, she's one of my favourite parts of this film also. I, I like this film a lot, sorry. Now, the plastics do take an interest in Katie, and it's sort of – it's uncertain at first whether they're just interested in her as some sort of specimen of, of oddness or whether it's because she's beautiful, which she is. But she's been accepted into the plastics, probably on a little bit of a temporary status. But basically what 
Katie, Janice and Damien decide to do is use this opportunity to infiltrate infiltrate the plastics and just mess with them a little bit. Once Katie is inside the plastics, she learns about something called the burn book and that's a notebook of um, the the three girls' most hated um, people. So they've collected rumours and secrets and, and gossip about all of the kids in school and they've put it in this burn book. Um, Katie, at the same time while she's at school, she starts falling in love or just falling for Regina's ex-boyfriend, Aaron. Um, and what's going to happen in the film is a, a play between these two top girls for Aaron's affection um, with no reference to what Aaron actually wants at all. Um, so we've got a group called the Plastics, we've got the Rejects, and Katie is sort of floating between these two groups. So you've got basically depictions of the dynamics of different cliques in a high school and how they're interacting together not always well. Katie, in infiltrating the Plastics, starts to lose her personality. So she loses herself into the identity of being a plastic until she actually becomes the perfect plastic um, and even starts to supersede Regina in her role as queen of the plastics. There are a lot of things that happen in this film leading up to the culmination of Regina and Katie having an all-out war. One of the more important ones, which I do want to come back to a bit later, is that Regina starts eating these um, bars, these nutrition bars that have been given to her by Katie, which makes her put on a lot of weight because I think we do need to talk about the issue of girls and nutrition a little bit later on. But what ends up happening is Regina responds to this aggression from Katie by spreading the entire contents of the burn book around the school. What happens as a result of that is there's a riot in the school and everybody's turning on each other. So the cliques have all been sparked into this open warfare in the middle of the school corridors. The riot is uh, put down by the principal, Principal Duval, and uh, after that there are all the girls are brought into a gym, gymnasium of the school where they're made to go through various uh, self-discovery and trust exercises to address this girl-on-girl aggression, which, again, is another issue we'll come back to. In the midst of all of this, Katie loses the respect of Janice and Damien. She's gone too far. She's adopted the personality of the plastics, and she's lost the joke that they were all originally in on. As part of the trust exercise, Janice retaliates against... Katie and also Regina and mocks Regina in front of the whole school. Regina leaves the school auditorium and Katie follows her out trying to apologise but Regina is hit by a bus. Cut to a little bit later, Katie is feeling uh, remorseful. She has shed her plastic demeanour and has resumed her former personality and she's starting to learn what it's like to be her in the midst of a high school. And this involves various acts of um, seeking redemption from teachers, seeking um, forgiveness from friends and doing things um, appalling, appalling things such as joining joining the mathletes instead of going to the uh, school prom so you know major sacrifices on behalf of a girl apparently in this world um in the end what happens is katie is elected the spring fling dance queen and as part of her redemption she cracks the crown into three and gives them to various people in the audience it's 
an interesting um, story. When you actually think about it, the plot really isn't important as much as what's going on in the interaction between the students. And my, I rest my case there. <laughs> so to sum up my plot summary, the plot really isn't important. <laughs> Here, this map is going to be your guide to North Shore. Now, where you sit in the cafeteria is crucial because you got everybody there. You got your freshmen, ROTC guys, preps, JV jocks, Asian nerds, cool Asians, varsity jocks, unfriendly black hotties, girls who eat their feelings, girls who don't eat anything, desperate wannabes, burnouts, Sexually active band geeks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst. Beware of the plastic. So, as you highlighted, the interactions between the students are somewhat important. Uh, I found, well, before I go into that, I enjoy this movie and it's a great one to just switch off my brain uh, because I can watch this and be entertained. Um, Watching this movie for the podcast today, I paid a lot more attention and a lot closer attention to the dynamics between the characters. And gee, the the note that we had in our trivia about it being uh, somewhat superficial and being designed for teens, so the message is really blunt, really comes through. Um, there's, there's not a lot of subtlety in a lot of what goes on. And some of the messages, they either feel a bit obvious or they feel like the wrong kind of message to be focusing on. But I think it comes back to that thing of I'm not necessarily the target audience for this. Yeah, well, look, as you pointed out in the trivia, the, the film is based on a, a book that didn't have a plot. So therefore the plot is a very much an artificial construct in order to give opportunities for various different social interactions to happen. So I'm, I'm forgiving of that because the vehicle to give the message is, um, is what it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, in terms of how explicit some of those messages are, I, I think it's um, maybe a little bit of uh, somebody who is not a teacher deciding this is what schools should do to address these problems. So I think it suffers a little bit from that as well. Not to say that it's not insightful. I think there's a lot of insight and understanding of how young people interact and how they operate and how very um, small world oriented yeah. they can be blinkers on this affects me and oh my gosh it's so bad um and not taking in the the greater subtlety of nobody else actually cares sort of yeah. thing um so i think it's very very good at depicting that um but yeah it, it does suffer from a, a layman sort of this is how we fit it, fix education like this i went to school so i know how schools operate yeah 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 um i suppose the other thing there, there were some things that really reminded me of my experience at high school and some things that don't. Like when I went to high school, I went to a co-ed public school in Victoria in Australia and we, we had our groups that we sat with, but 
the the way it was depicted in the movie where it was the clicks and you had these people sit at this table, these people sit at that table, and you've got smart Asians, the other Asians, uh, the, the well, of course, the plastics, yeah. Yeah, the pot smokers, the, um, the jocks, and, you know, everyone's got their little thing. It's so segregated. And it's, it felt like it was much more segregated than real life to serve the point of the story. Yes, yeah, see, that's interesting. I went to a very different type of school. I went to an independent girls' school. It wasn't um, the wealthiest school in the state or anything like that, but it, it definitely was independent. Um, and in, uh, say, year nine, year ten, we very much had this click sits there that clicks there and if somebody were to break up from the group and move to another group it was big news like yep. the politics of leaving a group to go somewhere else um there was no transitioning between groups or anything like yep. that there might be like-minded groups that sort of melded for a little bit and that was okay but there were definite clicks that broke down though by probably the age of, um we're talking about 16 year olds so it's yeah. getting up into um, more senior school. That had started to break down by then. Yeah, and so like, what I remember is early high school, which is year, sevens to, year seven to 12, um, early high school, we had our class and we did everything with that class. It wasn't until about year nine that we got to choose some of our own electives. So then classes got mixed up, but we had our class group. And then our friendship groups were outside of class, but our class group was always the same. So we had to interact with all those people regularly. And then we had our friendship groups that we interacted with. But if we interacted with someone who was in our class, but not in our friendship group, it wasn't a scandal. It was just, well, you know, that's what life is when you're at school. Um, so then when you get the electives, it mixes up all the groups again and your friendship groups can change. And then Everyone just interacts and... That's interesting because in my school, we had year seven, we had a, a home class where we had all of our classes together. But from year eight onwards, it was either elective or streamed. So um, we were with all sorts of different people depending either on what we chose or our Yet ability. Yet the clicks still applied despite the fact that your classes were all mixed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the clicks applied way up until probably senior high school, yeah. So school culture clearly has a big difference. Yeah. It's amazing how, and this might be a difference between um, schooling in Australia and the schools in America, mm. but the, uh, I, don't, I, I don't really follow uh, the big differences between junior high and senior high and uh, school is school. And, and I take yeah, it with, with my lens. Um, but the dramas that they're dealing with between the friendship groups seem so much pettier than the dramas that I would expect kids that age to be dealing with. Yeah, Having yeah, said that, no, yeah. I've also um, taught in an in a high school age group, and so I know there's some pretty big dramas that happen with kids of that age group. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of like there are some of the dramas that seem lower than their age, and then some dramas that are far beyond their age that they're dealing with because the emotional turmoil and the really rampant bullying and things it's it feels so much more advanced than anything i ever had to deal with as a teacher working with students at that age because there's some really big themes going on with 
the stuff going on there. Yeah, no, this is obviously a school whose culture is absolutely, like, in decline, yeah. has declined, is dead. It, no, the school's in absolute um, chaos mode. So, no, I haven't taught a school like that. I didn't attend a school like that. It, um, yeah, no, this is a school whose culture is shot. But I think seeing the friendship groups and the way they interact and you go, oh, I'm friends with you, but now I'm friends with them and now I'm changing the way I do things, so now you don't like me anymore. That's pretty standard stuff and mm. that certainly rings true. And I think that's one of the things that I relate because I have been that person that floated between groups and friendships change over time. So it, it rings it rings true a lot in that way to me. Yeah, I think well, yeah, with respect to how Tina Fey was writing it, I guess the conceit of the film is that Katie is embarking on some sort of anthropological study of these groups. So therefore yeah. they've got to be different little cliques. And she, she likens them throughout the film to, like, monkeys. Being at Old Orchard Mall kind of reminded me of being home in Africa, by the watering hole, when the animals are in heat. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. as you say that, it reminds me the bit at the very start of the movie where she walks in and everyone, uh, it, it's in the cafeteria. Mm. Yeah, well, if I was in Africa, and then everyone takes on the persona of the animals. Yes, yeah. And then you never kind of see that again. Uh, there's one other bit where they're at the at the shopping mall. Yes, uh, that comes where, out again. Yeah, that comes out yeah, again. And I, I can see you've tried to give it this anthropological theme, mm. but you only mention it these couple of times, and so it feels a little bit out of place well, with the rest of... it comes back in the fight. Yeah, yeah it comes yeah, back, so but then the rest of the... Sorry. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. in three times. Yeah. Um, but they feel a bit of... a bit tacked on to the rest. It, it doesn't yeah. feel like it's integrated in. Yeah. I suppose we, we don't know what's been cut, but it, no, it may be right. purposely written that way. It may not have been. But um, it, it is definitely, I think, writing the clicks as having such strict in and out rules these um sort of caveman style yeah. um, groups um clans almost yeah. like how they're structured out i think that's part of the anthropological bent that the whole yeah. film's supposed to have let's look at teenagers as though they are groups of animals um, <laughs> and you know no few teachers who have that approach, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny, yeah. It's got the um, it's got all the associated humor of seeing um, animal characteristics expressed through yeah. the kids. But yeah, it's it's just the joke of the film. Is that your natural hair color? Yeah. It's gorgeous. Thank you. See, this is the color I want. This is Damien. He's almost too gay to function. <laughs> uh, nice to meet you. Nice wig, Janice. What's it made of? Your mom's chest hair. I'm Janice. Hi, I'm Katie. One thing I do want to highlight that I was really, I'm really happy to see now and didn't realise how good it was to have when I first saw this, uh, the character of Damien mm. and uh, Janice as well. But as we highlighted in the trivia, there were some big things going on around marriage equality in the US when this film was released. And you've got this movie here where you've got two characters who at the least are gender curious and at best are fully out 
self-aware gay people. Yeah. Um, there's no stereotyping. I didn't feel there was a stereotype, and I'm saying this as a straight white male, so mine is not necessarily the perspective that's going to have the best understanding, but I don't feel that this was a stereotypical way of portraying gay people because there are so many movies that have come out in the years leading up to that where a gay man is camp and wears sequins and talks in a funny voice and flitters around and is kind of comic relief. Whereas in this movie, you've got characters who have um, undefined gender norms and they never get defined and it's never really questioned. It's just that's how they are. And no one treats them any differently because of their gender or sexuality. Um, They are just characters and that's who they are. And it is so wonderful to see a movie that treats the topic of gender and sexuality with this kind of respect. And if there's someone who can explain to me that this isn't treating it with respect and and actually outline why my perspective's wrong, I'd really love to hear that because, again, as a straight white man, um, this is how I've interpreted And for me, it was really nice to see a portrayal that wasn't just based on defining a character by their sexuality. I think what I enjoyed was, um, and I think it comes down to the strength of the portrayal by the two actors of these characters. Janice, her character um, isn't expressing herself in a, you know, heteronormative way woman style like she dresses differently she acts differently um and again her sexuality is not really defined towards the end although she does end up dancing with the um mathlete sorry his name's escaped me but um of course um (laughs) i really liked that and the strength of the it's we don't need to know but she's expressing herself she's dressing how she wants to dress but the film didn't shy away from the teasing that goes with that. It's not like they showed her just being accepted. Yeah. They teased her and how she dressed and how she worked, uh, how she um, carried herself, and they called her lesbian and they called her uh, a slut. They called her all sorts of different things, um, a lot of which was implied um, rather cleverly. So you yeah, imagine that's her. right. Um, so Made out with a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, wonderfully done. And Damien's character um, – what I really liked about how they addressed that is um, the, the joke of being too gay to function was fine when it's amongst friends, but take that joke into the plastics and give it to the burn book and suddenly it becomes a criticism and it's no longer a joke. And yeah. I loved that um, there was a sense of humour around it, but an acknowledgement that humour is appropriate only with certain groups and as soon as it goes elsewhere, it becomes mocking. He's almost too gay to function. (laughs) That's funny. Put that in there. (laughs) Oh, no. Maybe that was only okay when Janice said it. And that was, um, I think it was a clever way to portray it, but uh, in Katie's internal monologue where she goes, oh, was that only okay to say when I was with them? Mm. Which, again, is that blunt message to the teens that watch this going, you can't just say things. But, yeah, there, there are a lot of moments that, 
really uh, are quite nice to see in a film and a lot of themes, I think. There are some themes that also really make me laugh, like so the, the teacher characters that went through this. <laughs> and we'll talk about this in a minute when we talk about the educational side, but, gee, them as characters really make me laugh. Um, but, my gosh, they're not. Yeah, that's not good teaching. <laughs> no, it's not good teaching. Um, but it it might be an accurate portrayal of the one-sided character dimension that students see of teachers. Yeah, so, that's very true. Yeah. I guess it's natural for parents to cry on their kid's first day of school. But, you know, this usually happens when the kid is five. I'm 16, and until today, I was homeschooled. I know what you're thinking. Homeschooled kids are freaks. Y-L-O-C-A-R-P, Xylocarp. Or that we're weirdly religious or something. And on the third day, God created the Remington Bull Action Rifle so that man could fight the dinosaurs and the homosexuals. Amen. But my family's totally normal, except for the fact that both my parents are research zoologists and we spent the last 12 years in Africa. I had a great life. But then my mom got off her tenure at Northwestern University. So it was goodbye, Africa, and hello, high school. Ah! I'm okay. Sorry. I'll be careful. Uh, there's lots of things going on in this film. I think just to get it out of the way, the nod to um, homeschooling versus uh, mainstream schooling. Yes. Uh, Formal institutionalised schooling systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, there's a tiny little montage of the type of kids who undertake homeschooling, whilst Katie's defending herself as not being one of those groups. Yep. Um, this is still an issue that is quite prevalent in education today: the to homeschool, not to school homeschool. When I look at this, I think of my experience as a primary teacher. And, of course, the social interaction between students is such a key thing to encouraging learning and um, engaging students. And the debate about homeschool kids not being able to uh, experience or be exposed to the social interactions, um, I think, is highlighted by this approach of anthropological study because she's coming in going, oh, here are all the social dynamics that I've been missing out on, um, which I think is funny because she draws on her experience with whatever tribes they were living with when she grew up in in Africa, there are kids in those tribes that she was interacting with. Mm. So she's not completely alien to social interaction, but she is in this culture and setting and the social dynamics that go on. So, yeah, there's yeah. still that argument between if you homeschool, you get all this attention, but you miss out on those things. But if you go to a mainstream school, you get all those things, but you miss out on this. So, you know, I don't think they've tried to draw any conclusions. They portrayed it fairly well, but they also haven't tried to make any judgments on it either. And I think that was a clever way of bringing the story out without getting into the debate about homeschool versus uh, institutionalised systems of schooling. Yeah, it's just a, a touch and go. Yeah. yeah. Here we are, we're gone. And they came back to it a couple of times, but only when it really served the purpose of a joke or the progression of the story. Yeah. The first day of school was a blur. A stressful, surreal blur. 
I got in trouble for the most random things. Where are you going? Oh, I, I have to go to the bathroom. You need the lavatory pass. Okay, can I have the lavatory pass? <laughs> nice try. Have a seat. <laughs> I had never lived in a world where adults didn't trust me, where they were always yelling at me. Don't read ahead. No green pen. No food in class. Bleiben hier in vorgenannten Platz. The social rules of interaction between um, not only the children or the children, the teenagers to teenagers, but teenagers to adults. Katie is unaware of that. And that reminded me, although she's an extreme case, you know, of extreme ignorance of how to behave as a functioning human being, um, she, when we have a new student in school, often um, teachers can be a little bit impatient with them if they don't know the school rules or, you know, they're, they're not functioning well in the class because they don't know the dynamics yet. So it, to me as a teacher watching that um, and watching this new kid struggle with understanding how to interact purely even just with the teacher, let alone her peers, um, made me think, oh, yeah, we need to do a better job of um, integrating new students into schools. Oh, was that scene where she was in, I think it was a science classroom, and she got up and the teacher said, where are you going? Oh, to the toilet. No, you're not. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. In, in both ways, student yeah. and teacher, and I've seen that happen. And yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate about what goes on in schools. Yeah. Now, this is my classroom. You don't get a say here. Because I've had intellectual debates with 10 year olds about whether or not they have the right to do things. And you know, well, that's nice that you can try and have this debate, but we're actually not here to have this intellectual debate because you're part of this school system and, you know, the rules apply to everyone equally. So that's the way it goes. But not knowing that coming in, I think she's in a better position by not understanding the rules than being a student who's grown up believing that they have more say than they do yes. in certain situations. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but when a small child is given as much input as an adult does in the home life and then they come into a school and you go, no, you don't get to say because I'm in charge here and this is an authoritarian kind of institution, mm. um, then you get clashes and conflict and being ignorant of the rules is a better position to be in than being the kid who had freedom and feels like it's been taken away because it's not appropriate to give a child of that age that certain piece of freedom. Yeah. And Again, the, not making judgments. Yeah, not making judgments. Similarly, the, um, it's, very, it's depicted quite quickly, but um, when Katie goes home and the parents suddenly have to curtail her freedom and they have to have that sudden, um, oh, you're grounded, and the father doesn't actually understand what grounding means. Where's Katie? She went out. She's grounded. Are they not allowed out when they're grounded? Which um, again, yeah. he went to school yeah, as a kid. Like, like seriously, yeah, it, seriously, it is a funny moment. But the whole idea that they've had to relearn parenting to match the school system is uh, it's a, yeah. a cute moment. Let's not dwell on that too much. But one thing I do want to dwell on is um, school languages. Why don't I know you? I'm new. I just moved here from Africa. What? I used to be homeschooled. Wait, what? My mom taught me at home. No, though. no, I know what homeschool is. I'm not retarded. So you've actually never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! 
I didn't say anything. Homeschooled. That's really interesting. Thanks. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? Oh, I don't know. Oh my god, I love your bracelet. Where did you get it? Oh, my mom made it for me. It's adorable. Oh, it's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my god, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Could you give us some privacy for like one second? Yeah, sure. Okay, you should just know that we don't do this a lot, so this is like a really huge deal. We want to invite you to have lunch with us every day for the rest of the week. Oh, it's okay. Coolness. So we'll see you tomorrow. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I'm a high school teacher. The, the language that the students use amongst themselves is very much dependent on the each individual school. Um, and then... What I have noticed, and I've, I've taught girls uh, quite a bit, the the operation of the language to exclude or to include within groups is a really fascinating thing to watch as a teacher and something that we need to be super aware of. So in this instance, the plastics are functioning on slang, but also the speed at which they speak. So they'll pepper questions and pepper compliments is the other yep. part in order to control person, the direction of the conversation, to induce a sense of bewildered compliance in the other person that yeah. they're talking to. Um, it's kind of fascinating watching that language and um, I've seen so many girls do that to each other. I like the way that Katie was an intelligent, well, is an intelligent person who recognised that's what was happening. So that thing about uh, when she was friends with Regina. And she said, oh, I love that skirt, and then turns, I hate that skirt, it's mm. hideous. And she has the flashback to when Regina did it to her about her bracelet. bracelet yeah. It's the idea that she is intelligent and saw through the manipulation, mm. but then she went and became one of the manipulators. And, yes. and go, yeah. But she it's, it's that thing well. of, I think the message I like there could be use your intelligence to overcome things which is what Katie kind of does in that moment. And, and I like that that's a – I feel like that's a central theme um, because it's about being smarter than just being one of these people who engages in all the negativity. Um, since you've brought that up, I want to talk a lot more about the bullying that yes. goes on. Yeah. So as a teacher – I've had to deal with a lot of bullying and I actually strongly believe bullying is not something that can ever be stamped out. We can only learn to deal with it in other people and to recognise what we're doing, how we affect other people and learn to be better at stopping uh, ourselves from making other people feel like uh, they're being bullied. Um, and there are some nasty things that go on in this film. It's it's pretty atrocious what's happening. <laughs> it really is. Like the whole thing about the burn book, that's like that's slanderous. Mm. And there are laws in place to prevent adults from doing things like that. And the fact that Regina photocopied it, because you know, we're talking about a time before Facebook 
Yeah, I was about to bring out social media. This is a real thing. But um, photocopying it and distributing it. And then at no point did I see any of the teachers trying to investigate where all these photocopies came from um, because when I think about the situations that I've dealt with, the very first thing is, okay, everyone stop. Let's look at the facts. What's your role in this? Tell me what you've done. And almost police-like investigation, you know, you get the story from every person who's involved and then try to piece the things. You, you, you agree on the things that everyone has said and then the things that people have said are different to others. You start questioning and trying to find out, well, what is the truth here? What's the most likely truth? How do we resolve this if we can't actually work out exactly what happened? What's the way forward? And so when you look at the bullying that went on in this, number one, it doesn't look like anything was ever being reported to anyone. Um, and then the nastiness between the girls, which naturally comes when there are that many clicks. Um, and then the failure to actually investigate and work out who's doing what, I think is a big issue. Um, but no one seems to have any skills in dealing with the situations that come up. It just escalates. And I suppose if we had a movie where someone was picked on and they dealt with it appropriately and went and spoke to someone and then started getting along, we wouldn't have a film yeah, we titled a film. Mean Girls. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I completely recognise that. But, but the, the teachers and the principals seem particularly at a loss to even ask the most fundamental questions and are constantly sort of, particularly the principal is... Um, immediately put off a track of investigation by either like reluctance to answer the question by the, by the student or like girly sort of batting the eyelids, oh, I'm going to cry sort of, and he wants them out of the office immediately <laughs> sort of thing. Yep. Um, he, he's got no stamina or no um, ability to say, yeah, I've seen girls cry before. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, here's yep. the tissues. Yep, tell I'll me. Wait this out. Yep. Now we'll get back to the main issue. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Yeah, he's got none of those skills. Because a grown adult being cowed by a teenager crying oh, yeah. is just, I could watch kids cry all day if mm. I needed to, if there was an issue to resolve, because the crying is a tactic to try to divert away from the issue. Yeah. You know, I'm not interested in that. You want to sit there and cry, sit there and cry. We're still going to deal with this issue. So the sooner you help me deal with this issue, the sooner we can move on. Yeah. There's but no sense of that. No, no there's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, just for the record, I didn't make a habit of just sitting and watching kids cry. Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just to put it out there. No, I think what we're both expressing is you <laughs> – Unfortunately, maybe as a teacher, you do have a, a bit of a jaded edge. Oh, here yes. come the tears. All right, we'll just wait this one out a little bit. And um, yeah, so any students listening, tears do not affect us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are very empathetic. We're empathetic and to We true are more crime. than happy to to provide a listening ear and to help. So. There's a difference between true crying and putting it on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, which brings me to teenage social awkwardness. Mm. Gee, there was a lot on display in this oh, film. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, it felt authentic because the awkwardness of teenagers was there. Yeah. Um, what I like is that all the interactions between them were, well, as I said, authentic. 
what I didn't like is the there's a bit at the end where Katie won. Uh, was she in the prom? Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a prom. Well, no, I she said was prom. elected. Uh, the tongue twister. You said it better it than I It was um, Spring Fling Queen. It wasn't a prom, yeah. So yeah. Yes. To uh, all the people whose feelings that got hurt by the burn buck, I'm really sorry. You know, I've never been to one of these things before. And when I think about how many people wanted this and how many people cried over it and stuff, I mean, I think everybody looks like royalty tonight. Look at Jessica Lopez. That dress is amazing. And Emma Gerber, I mean, that hairdo must have taken hours, and you look really pretty. <laughs> so, why is everybody stressing over this thing? I mean, it's just plastic. It's really just... <coughs> Share it. A piece for Gretchen Wieners, a partial spring fling queen. A piece for Janice Ian. Seriously, most people just take the crown and go. And a piece for Regina George. She fractured her spine and she still looks like a rock star. Thank you. And some for everybody else. Uh, she was elected and then got up to do a speech. And this, this movie has these polar opposites where... I really like what they were trying to go for, but what they ended up doing didn't really work and had the opposite effect. She got up to do her speech and then was saying, let's not just focus on the people who everyone says is beautiful. Everyone should be acknowledged for the effort they go to. But to do that, they said, let's point out the ugly kids who have put on an effort today. Yeah, yeah, speech fell flat. Yeah, and it's, yeah. you look so beautiful, and you in the wheelchair. Even disabled people can look attractive too. And, you know, oh, it just, it felt like we were just pointing out all the people who are deemed by society to be the unattractive ones. Yeah. But I do feel that the intent behind that was to say, stop focusing on the glamorous people, let's actually look at building up everyone's self-esteem and encouraging everyone because everyone is wonderful in their own ways. You know, I I agree with you. I think it was clumsy in those ways. But having sat through many um, final year speeches given by students um, of that age, it lacked all of the diplomacy and subtlety um, and was completely indicative of most of the speeches that I've heard. So it was wonderfully well scripted for a 16 year old to give. Very much so. Yeah, particularly when she wasn't even meant to give a speech. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> um, just while we're on that, mm. body image is yeah. certainly something I want to talk about uh, because it was. It is present in this movie just in the nature of what this movie is. Um, One of my favourite scenes is when they try to sabotage Regina George and I think it's Janice goes into the locker room and cuts the holes out of her singlet top (laughs) so that her bra shows through and Regina puts her shirt on and just kind of shrugs and goes, eh, whatever. 
And then that's the thing that everyone does. <laughs> I love the the slapstick nature of that with the prank backfiring. But if you look at the whole thing about the body image, she has so much self-esteem and so much confidence that she just doesn't care. And she is the typical poster of what glamour is supposed to be in Western culture that the audience kind of goes along and goes, yeah, well, she's skinny and blonde and has a great figure. And so, of course, it doesn't matter. She could just walk around in a trench coat and everyone would be falling over her. But I think while I can see there is a positive message there, it's also reinforcing that, well, because she's blonde and skinny and is attractive, she can get away with that, whereas everyone else who's not blonde and skinny can't. Well, I think that's what the film's trying to say. Yeah, well, oh, good. The message worked on me. It did. I, I, I do um, – it's got a lot about girl image in it um, because Lindsay Lohan, of course, is knockout gorgeous too in the, in the same realms of you know, skinny white girl, big boobs, you know, all those sorts of things. She's got that same trope. Um, but she's also smart and she tries that girl um, – the too often thing that girls do of pretending to be dumb. Hey, um, I'm totally lost. Can you help me? But I wasn't lost. Yeah. I knew exactly what Ms. Norbury was talking about. It's a factorial, so you multiply each one by N. Wrong. Is that the summation? Yeah, they're the same thing. Wrong. He was so wrong. Thanks. I, uh, I get it now. <laughs> and so she, she's, a, she's very smart at math, which, of course, is a common language she, she does understand, uh, and she pretends in order to win esteem of a boy to be stupid. Now, this backfires on her utterly as well in the long term, and, of course, um, he respects her more when she just admits to being good at math. Well, I like the bit at the end where he just goes, welcome, welcome back, back, nerd. Yeah. And he still likes her because she is a person who has a personality that he likes. Yeah. And it's not, it's not your intelligence. It, being intelligent is more attractive, and, and that certainly comes through. So that's it's nice that that happens. It's a really nice moment, but it does um, speak to what is talked about a lot in research of boys' and girls' education is that girls don't feel as safe to excel when there are boys around. Now, I would really love to see some more modern research on that because I wonder if the nature of girls' esteem has changed since some of those studies were done in the 80s and 90s. Um, I I suspect it might have. Um, But, yeah, the whole idea, well, boys generally probably don't really care how smart the girl is. That's not what they're really basing things on. Such a generalisation. (laughs) Such a generalisation. But the idea that girls would hold themselves back from learning um, is the reason why we do have things like girls. We still have um, single-sex schools and we still have, uh, some school districts and systems that focus on things like boys' education. Yes. And they put programs in place especially to engage boys in certain things because the, the research that they're drawing on says you need to teach boys in a different way to girls to get their attention. And you go, well, is that a human learning thing? Is it a cultural thing? Is it just your particular community, the way they, that you all treat each other? And so there's lots of research 
and there's lots of research that contradicts other research. Yes. So I, for me, it always comes down to what's right for your community. Yeah. But that still doesn't change the philosophy that I have of uh, the idea that everyone should be treated equally. And if there is a need to treat boys and girls differently in a community, then there's some issue with the way boys and girls are being treated and raised yes. that's caused this difference. That's wider than everything. And certainly the film does look at that. Say when we go to Regina George's house and there's a younger daughter who's dancing in front of um, the what seems to be some sort of spring break break video. Yes. Yeah, um, so it does blame a little bit beyond the school culture that they might be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, well, the whole thing with Amy Poehler, who oh, I love, and her Great. character, um, <laughs> the the mum that wants to be the friend yes. and not the mother and the horrible things that she lets the kids get away with, it's <laughs> it's just a perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, but I know I've been at things like a school picnic night where there was music playing over a radio or something and some of the songs that the kids are singing along to and dancing to, you go, oh, that's not appropriate for a seven-year-old. Yeah. It's- yeah, but even today, I think we were in the office, I don't know what we were listening to in, on the radio, <laughs> um, but we both suddenly realised, whoa, that is not a politically correct song yeah. and we, we do not endorse that message. Those yet, lyrics we grew up singing cool. it. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so um, there is a – I think there's a naivety there that kids probably get away with, whereas adults looking back at, ooh, that's not appropriate. But it's the attitude of the adults saying, oh, isn't that cute? And you go, no, it's it's in, ingraining gender issues and not encouraging equality and so on. The girl image in this film is troublesome. I think purposely. I think Tina Fey yeah. intended it that way. It is an exploration of girl image. For instance – the principal says things like, um, never, never in my 14, 14 years, years have I experienced such behaviour and behavior. from young ladies. And from young ladies. <laughs> the use of ladies. It's so unladylike. <laughs> ladylike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's other phrases like lady to lady problems. Yes. Um, which dates the film a little bit. In yes. terms, I don't think probably Tina Fey may use those words unless they were ironic, which part of it probably was. Um, but... Um, the whole idea of um, things like girl-on-girl crime, um, they're, they're tapping into fundamental problems with girl image. Well, there's a sexual overtone to it too, which yeah. is not appropriate for a bunch of minors. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the line, I think it's um, Miss Norbury. Miss Norbury actually says, you uh, you've got, got to, to stop, uh, stop calling each other sluts and whores. It just makes it okay it for, makes it guys, okay to for guys, guys to call Yeah, and that's a wonderful horse. line to be in there. It is a great line because I think um, the language with which women call and talk about each other, like we call each other cows or we'll, we'll use the derogatory words that men use about us and that does nothing to advance our common cause for yeah. seeking equality because if we can't be supportive of each other, how can we... <laughs> seek that equality overall yep. yeah it's, it's an interesting thing I, i'm not criticizing film that i think it's actually quite well done yeah yeah um i want to talk about uh, the moment that that actually happened the big scene in the gym after the burn book was thrown everywhere yes and it was well firstly i find it amazing that the principal goes the kids have gone wild and grabs a baseball bat 
I can't say I'm a meta principal that actually goes into a group of students armed with a weapon. Yeah, but you know, it's actually a, um, it's a callback to another film, which is no, yeah, I don't know that. yeah. So it's a reference in. Uh, oh, sorry, it's just slipped my mind. But where is it? Um, Oh, I'm going to. Everyone's going to write in about this, but it is actually a callback to the film. Um, what I didn't like about that depiction is that you, um, you've got a black man picks up a weapon to go deal with a problem. With I, white kids. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. thought that was actually sloppy. Yeah, even though it was a reference to another film, it's just unnecessary. And at face value, I look at that and go, huh, "That's funny." The kids have gone nuts, so grab a bat so that you can stay safe. Mm. But then when you look at the implications of what happened then yeah absolutely it's yeah it's it's not great but then of course this is characterizing the principal who's got control of most things in the school except these wild kids um so then of course he hits the um fire alarm and we end up in the gym for the big uh the big discussion which he very quickly exits from now his exit was because he started asking questions and saying, right, what are the problems? And I have, as a primary teacher, I was, I've had girls in my class who have started their period, uh, unbeknownst to me, because they're not going to come and talk to me, nor would I expect them to. They need to go and talk to a female teacher because that's who they are comfortable talking to or, or their, their parents. But I was aware that, this had happened and the kids might need to go to the bathroom sometimes, but there is no way that I would start a conversation about such a private personal matter for a girl who's only just discovering what's going on with her body. Uh, So when he's up in front of the class and the tampon talk starts and he turns and goes, "Ah, no, that's it, I'm out of here. Man, I can really relate to that. I can appreciate exactly why I did that. And again, this polar opposite of, I think that is a real moment that male teachers have and have a lot every day. But then the implication that, well, warning, warning, female function, I've got to get out, need a woman to do this because this is women's stuff. There's a problem with that being the message that can be taken away from it. Yeah, it's a really tricky um, uh, situation. Uh, look, as a as a, a woman teacher, I was, I was teaching mostly girls in my last school that I was at. Um, well, they were all girls. So it was a girls' school. Um, the when it came to a sex scene in a film or um, in the poetry or in literature, I was obviously an English lit teacher. Um, the male teachers actually asked me to take that class. And so I would go in and just discuss that scene or that part of the narrative with the students. And it got to the point that if I turned up at a class unexpectedly for the kids, they'd go, oh, sex scene today, miss. Like, surely is. And we'd, and we'd talk about it. And I, I, like I was sort of parachuted in to do these sex things. And I, I didn't um, – I should rephrase that – I was sort of parachuted into <laughs> teach sex ed topics. <laughs> wow, that one just went straight past me too. That's brilliant. What a job. <laughs> what a job. Um, yeah, but uh, it, 
I understood for those teachers that to, to discuss it well, they didn't think they could do justice to the teaching around those topics. Yeah. And so they wanted a woman to go in and just be frank and have a giggle with the kids and let's talk about it, get it over with. Okay, everyone, fine. All right, I'm out. Here comes Mr. So-and-so yeah. again. Um, I think there's also that thing of speaking with authority. Yeah, I can't speak with authority on that topic. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not <laughs> going to pretend to, so, but with children who have – legitimate questions about serious things, um, you need someone with authority to come in and actually answer questions. So authority is loosely. There are probably some kids in there who knew more than I did well, about things, you know. But yeah, hey. that's quite possible. <laughs> so, but yes. Yeah, no, it is um, – it's, it's, I'm not saying there's an answer. But yeah. I know I've, I've lived through that experience of being the Ms. Norbury of it. Get in here, Miss Cotton. Yeah. Teach this because I'm not saying a thing. <laughs> but then it's – um. It's counted with the the abstinence talk from the gym teacher. Ah, yeah. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise? Okay, everybody take some rubbers. And that, <laughs> again, it's awkward. And I remember uh, when I was a student teacher doing rounds, and that student teaching rounds going into a classroom and sex ed was a topic that came up. And so you're having this discussion about anatomy and like, I'm like a 19 year old kid just out of school. <laughs> I'm still wanting to giggle at all of the stuff myself. It's like, oh no, everyone's here and I'm going to say the words in front of people and the kids are going to giggle and I'm going to giggle. And, and, you know, it's an experience thing to know that you can have a discussion about a topic and still have a, a, have giggle. a giggle at things, yeah. but then get on with the yeah. um, task of moving through a curriculum. Yeah. Um, but the depiction of the curriculum, and I am aware that there are many states through the US and many other parts of the world where abstinence is the only way they're allowed to teach the subject. Mm. But then when it's countered with, never, never do it, never, ever, ever do it. Here are some condoms. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was um, obviously, yeah, hilarious because they're, they're giving a nod to, well, these teachers can't say too much. Um, yeah. I love the line, if you touch each other, you will get chlamydia and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, it is interesting the way that sex ed is obviously um, taught in various states of the US. It's very different in Australia. Um, yeah. But I'm not saying it's done well in all of our schools. Um, no, of course not. No. But I think the ridiculous nature of uh, they certainly uh, highlighted and ridiculed the um, why it was done because they po they were pointing out this is not reflective of anything but this is the policy this policy is silly because it doesn't reflect reality yeah um, and there are some places where the the policy is much closer aligned with the reality of what the kids live in. And I'm not here to judge whether or not that's true, but they're making the point, this doesn't reflect the reality of what these kids are going through. So it really is silly. But then it's then followed up with, and this teacher was sleeping with students and uh, has committed statutory rape because yes. they're underage children. Mm. Which isn't really dealt with that severely in the... Um the movie, like he's obviously not in the done. movie. He yeah. was run out of the school yeah. and never turned up again. Yeah. So one would assume 
the police were on their way to his house. Yes. Um, but, no, it didn't get addressed no. in the film. It was just a funny moment. Yeah. Um, we watched um, Michael Moore's documentary, Where to Invade Next, recently, and there's a, there's a really uh, good investigation in that or scene in that about French sex ed, which um, I think viewers, if you haven't seen it, go have a look. It's really interesting, very different to what we do in Australia as well. Oh, my God, that's Miss Norbury. Oh, I love seeing teachers outside of school. It's like seeing a dog walk on its hind legs. Oh, hey, guys, what's up? I didn't know you worked here. Yeah, moderately priced soaps are my calling. You shopping? No, no, I'm just here with my boyfriend. Joking. Sometimes older people make jokes. My Nana takes her wig off when she's drunk. Your Nana and I have that in common. Well, this has been sufficiently awkward, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Oh, man, that is bleak. One um, bit I did like about the film is um, the acknowledgement that teachers uh, can be seen by students outside of school. (laughs) Yeah, it's always awkward bumping into a teacher out of their natural habitat. Like seeing a dog walk on their hind legs. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. I still and, remember when that happened to me when I was in my first year of teaching. Oh. Bumped into a grade six at the supermarket and uh, the, the the child just did the, oh, no, and covered her face and turned away. And I just went, I saw that. And the older sister was there and she saw me pointing and just went, what? What happened? And I went, I don't know. It's okay. I'm a teacher. And she just looked at me and went, you're old enough to be a teacher. <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. See you at school. <laughs> but, yeah, it is always awkward oh, it's having the impromptu parent-teacher interview in the super aisle. Oh, no. My worst moment of seeing a student out of context was I was in America and um, there was an exhibition where they um, plastinated human bodies and then cut them up and you could see various organs. It was a big – I'm sure it's still travelling around, but it was big a few years ago. Um, and I was in America and I was um, – uh, leaning over and inspecting uh, a certain part of male genitalia, <clears throat> having a good look, you know. Interesting. It was science, guys. <laughs> and whilst I'm bent over having a look, I hear this, Miss Cotton? How in this Whoops. moment, halfway across the world, can you have found it? And the kid gave me, to the kid's credit, or whether the kid just didn't realise what on earth I was doing, they were just looking at me, um, they never acknowledged what I'd been doing before I straightened up very quickly and said, oh, hello. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think I must have been as bright red as the sun. Like, it's just <laughs> absolutely. You just can't go anywhere. I mean, I bumped into a student when I was on my honeymoon on top of a volcano on an island in Vanuatu. So Is that it... a metaphor? No. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> wow. I was on a volcano in Vanuatu. And another tour group joined us and, oh, g'day, Mr. Khan. Uh, oh, yeah, g'day. <laughs> Good to see you. We'll be going now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was there to see the volcano. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's, it, it felt authentic the way they portrayed bumping into a teacher outside of school. Well, and what I love is her reaction. reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the um, the this, awkward. This is sufficiently awkward. Yes, and and her making a joke and going straight over their heads. Like, oh, yep. love it, love it. Yep. I do like the little nod too that she's just getting to a second job, so um, teacher pay. Yes, has been recognized yes. There. Um, 
Oh, I love uh, Janice's. Is it Janice's? Oh, man, that is bleak. Which is yes. Bleak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess no future teachers in that cohort. There are a couple of honorable mentions I want to get to before we uh, finish up. So one thing was the highlight of the lack of funding that the schools have. Mm. It's the principal threatened to cancel the spring film. <laughs> and I said, no, we've paid our deposit. We can't cancel the spring film. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because we've already paid the DJ. The extracurricular activities, I think, are important to highlight. I want to talk about that more in a minute. But um, the romance, dealing with the romance of teens, the boyfriend-girlfriend stuff, and teachers, I I think you you were a secondary teacher, so maybe you can tell me a little more, but the whole thing of you know that who's got the hots for who and who's dating who and, oh, these ones broke up and now there's this friendship thing. And my, the, the contact I had with teens and to a lesser extent, the higher primary, you just don't want to know about it. You stay out of it until it becomes something that you have to deal with in class. Mm. Or as soon as it starts affecting schoolwork, you intervene. But apart from that, it's just stuff that you don't want to know because it's just teenage fuss. Uh, it. Look, there's various things I, I can remember from teaching, um, such as, you know, no touching in class rules and yep. all that. So, like, you know, okay, you're, you two are now boyfriend, girlfriend or, or whatever pairing, you, you now sit on opposite sides of the room because that, that is not going to be happening whilst <laughs> teaching is happening. Um, but, yeah, the breakups, the, um, yeah, the emotional um, turmoil that goes with not just some um, romance but groups. Yeah. Group, groups breaking up, coming back together and all that. I, I remember the, the possibly one of the worst things I ever did as a teacher, which luckily turned out well, was I walked into um, a senior class and what was usually a group of six sitting together was now a group of two and four. <laughs> and I, without thinking, stupidly said, you guys have a fight. And they all looked at me and one of them just sort of cocked her head on the side and said, what if we had missed? What would you do next? And... I'm like, I don't know. I had to admit it. I'd smile and walk away. (laughs) And they were fine. They just, it was a hot day and they just didn't want to sit on the same table. But yeah, yeah, um, the moment when a group breaks up and it changes the dynamics of um, teaching because you have your groupings and your pairings and how how you're going to have all the kids working together on different things in the classroom. Um, suddenly if there's this huge fight going on, well, you've got to rethink all of your strategies. So what, since you've brought up the strategies, are there any strategies that worked for you in trying to carry on with what you were doing? I would look for the kid that was isolated Um, because if there were, let's say there was five against one um, and the group had broken up and something like that, it usually didn't, but I would look for the isolated kids wherever they were um, because the other group – even though they may have been in the right or they may be in the wrong, they've at least got the support of each other for the moment in the interim. So then with the isolated kids, I would make sure that they were seamlessly as much as possible put into other groups where there were like-minded things. And what I was focusing on was fostering situations where they can build history with each other and from that hopefully at least a proto-friendship, yeah. um, something else they could re- rely on rather than the clique they'd just come from. Um, you know, to be, to be frank, um, usually those fights 
would last two weeks maybe and then the group would be back together. Yeah. It was rarer to see um, people being excommunicated completely. But I, I like what you were saying about that isolated student and the idea that you could check in with that student yeah. and just to see that they're okay. And um, The approach to emotional intelligence and um, actually dealing with issues. So the scene where they were in the gymnasium and then they got up afterwards to say, all right, tell us the, the everyone got their turn on the stage to say something. And I love the fact that they got the girl in the wheelchair up on the, on the stage. That was pure comedy. Oh, um, no, but, <laughs> um, but I used to work at a, a, a setting, not a school, an educational setting that um, dealt with kids with significant behaviour challenges. And we would be basically trying to give them strategies to deal with their issues and the conflict um, that went beyond telling the teacher to get stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, well, instead of that being your first reaction, stop, think, and choose a different way to behave. And so we did a lot of stuff about that. We were asking the kids to talk about ideas and themes and their internal issues that were really deep-seated things. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of counselling that you go to a psychologist for. Now, I'm not a psychologist, and we tried not to delve too much into the counselling side, but from the educational side, we're trying to say, well, here's how you understand what's going on with you um, so that you can make better choices. And in that gym, that was horrible. Yes. Everyone all together, put your hand up if. No! Oh, this is not a safe space. <laughs> you, they... It was immediately after an all-in-school brawl, yeah. so no one's feeling ready to talk. Asking personal questions with 50 other kids watching, it's not a safe space to have this discussion. Um, and so then everyone, uh, the, when Miss Norbury comes in, it's, okay, everyone close your eyes and let's do a safer question where everyone can respond and go, oh, yeah, now we're realising we're all in this together. We're all in the same spot. Um, and then she turned on Regina George when she tried to leave. Mm. And that was also appropriate because you've got someone who's trying to disengage and go, well, this is too good for me. Mm. You know, no, it's not. And here's the proof. Sit down and mind your business. That It, it was an appropriate thing in that moment but being in the gym and then getting up on the stage and reading out. And then the nasty comment that comes to uh, Janice. Yes, Janice, yeah. And then she decides to turn and yeah, she put her card away yeah. and make the comment that encouraged the bullying again. Yeah. And Gretchen, gosh darn it, not being sorry for anything and then being allowed to just fall flat on the floor. Well, part of me goes, yeah, take that, you nasty cow. The teacher running that activity, that's horrible. Mm. Letting that happen and then letting the calling out happen and letting Katie step out of line and disappear so she doesn't have her turn. Like, this is not how to deal with that thing. So that's why I was interested in saying, asking you, because you've got more secondary experience, the idea of checking in mm. means you're actually checking with the person who's feeling ostracised for whatever reason, which means you're making yourself aware of the bullying and you're starting to address the bullying and be a support for the kid who feels isolated. 
then you also find out about the issues that are going on so that you can step in before it gets to the point where you need to turn on the sprinkler system to calm everyone down. Yeah, no, what what happens in the gym in Mean Girls is absolutely fantasy territory. It's just, it's never going to work. Um, the teacher let what they were trying to do be taken from them and subverted to the kid's purpose. Um, in terms of high school, oh yeah, I think even probably where you, you were teaching in primary, um, you would never do a whole group activity like that. If a, if a fight's happened, say back to the scenario of when I've got a couple of kids or one kid ostracised out from a biggest group in the class, um, I would never, well, apart from the time I stuffed <laughs> up, which I was bloody lucky about getting away with, I learned a lot from that moment. I think it was my first year of teaching. Um, Always is. Um, I... Um, you would take the kids privately away. And it might be during class. It might be just after class. You might catch their ear and just say, look, is everything okay? You might grab them on the playground or in the yard or, or whatever. You would never make it feel like, okay, everybody, pens down. Let's discuss feelings. Yeah. yeah no. Nah. Oh, well, in a primary setting, I have done that. Well, <laughs> it might right, be right. everyone, stop. There's things going on I'm not happy with. Everyone come and sit down. But it's certainly not the first week of term. No. Yeah, uh, term one, it's after I've established relationships with kids and they know that I'm not going to allow them to reveal something personal and have it used back against them. And I think that's the key thing. Like I'm looking at my list of topics that I wanted, wanted to talk about here. And there's the teenage social awkwardness, the bullying, the, the romance dramas, the... Uh, breaking up of fights, managing the relationships, the emotional discussions, these are all things that can fester and become significant issues but can easily be headed off if the teacher has that rapport and relationship. You establish that in my classroom it is a safe environment. I'm not going to accept this negative behaviour and that when you notice kids are becoming separated, your example of finding the kid that was ostracised and checking in and seeing if they're okay and talking and trying to work through the issues, all of the problems go away, which, again, I acknowledge, makes for a pretty average movie. Hmm. Well, see, I think the problem with the movie is if you've got the teachers, they seem to be um, floating on top of this cesspool. Like they're, like yeah. they're not in... They're not deep, knee deep in the swamp, which is where teachers should be. We we should still have a, you know, a clear view of everything going around us. But in this film, the teachers weren't even like they're not even paddling. That's right. They're just above, not engaged. But it's even like in the hall. You've got the principal and Miss Miss Norbury, mm. and the other teachers are just decoration. So I, I think. Again, it's a movie telling, a storytelling device for the movie oh, rather than I just actually addressing TV, issues. They all but, need a good bit of PD. Absolutely, I know an organisation that does some great PD that they should come and do. Is it called Teacher Learning Network? <laughs> it is indeed. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, there's some great courses there. Um, before we finish, I do want to highlight one beef I have with the film, which could be completely based on a faulty memory. So, any listeners out there, feel free to email and let me know. In the mathletes competition, mm. they talk about limits. Mm. 
I really feel that that first answer should have been accepted because the whole thing with the limit is um, it's based on this idea if you move halfway to an object and then move halfway again and halfway again and halfway again, you can never reach it. So the limit is if you're standing there, you're the limit, I can only ever approach it. But in an answer to a mathematical question, you say the limit is that, that should have been an acceptable answer. But they say it's wrong. And, and, and then when she comes back with, oh, oh, what was that about limits? Oh, Aaron's so beautiful. Oh, 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 the limit doesn't exist. It does exist. It's right there. You're just constantly approaching it. And so I think that was a mathematical inaccurate uh, piece of the film that's really bugged me for many years. So thank you for letting me get that off my chest. No, it's all right. I went to the toilet and back in that time period. <laughs> what were you talking about? Was it math? No, no, our <laughs> listeners will let me know. Uh, or I could just pull out one of my old high school textbooks and look up limits. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that first answer should have been acceptable. Um, speaking of which, extracurricular activities. Mm. Great to see uh, that there are kids being successful for their activities. Also, well, the jocks are clearly successful. They get to wear their fancy jackets because they're on sports teams. Um, but the mathletes come in at the end wearing jackets and their medals and they're kind of celebrated. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, yeah. and I think extracurricular activities are so important for kids to be involved in and there's plenty of research that talks about um, how being involved in team activities and other things where you get to explore your interests, just like Katie got to be good at maths and be in a maths team and be celebrated for being good at her thing, which is demonstrating her intelligence. Um, it's so good to see that that was celebrated. And, and I mean that when they came into the spring fling and they were mingling amongst the crowd, there was just kind, kind of looks from the friends that went, hey, cool, you did well. There was no ridicule. And there was no just dismissal of this thing they were doing. It was, oh, you made it. You were off at your, your thing. Not, oh, how'd you go at nerd competitions? <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was nice to see that, you know, it, it was celebrated, even if it was in a subtle way. Um, yeah. Were you ever in mathletes at all? No. I, I was. I was good at maths, but my school didn't have anything like mathletes. Yeah, no, we did. We did. I was in um, in my first year of high school, so year seven, quite young. Um, and I was actually a very good math student until I hit year eight and then <laughs> I hit the end of my ability, I think, perhaps. I don't know what happened there. But, um, oh, you yeah. must have seen Aaron sitting in the row in front of you. No. <laughs> no, I definitely did not. But it, it is um, – it was an interesting experience being in mathletes and I never felt any ridicule being part of yeah. mathletes, but I think I also may have been slightly unaware um, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit protected in my own little um And what group. a wonderful place to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, whilst I'm remembering and before everybody writes in, the film um, with the baseball bat toting um, principal was Lean on Me. Um, so, yeah. I remember Joe Clark, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amy, that brings us to the end of our podcast. But before we finish, I have a few questions. I'm ready. Firstly, is this an accurate depiction of education today? 
You know, I think there are probably schools in chaos like this. I think it's an accurate enough depiction of um, cliques and groups perhaps, a little bit um, exaggerated for the purposes of the film. And I would bet there it's a, a little bit um, accurate of perhaps some poor practice or um, practice that people haven't reflected upon. Um, I like to think it's inaccurate with the thing of the gym teacher. Oh, yes. Um, however, there are unfortunately still some people who abuse their positions and yeah. these things happen. It does. Um, but the way it happened in the film was clearly ridiculous mm. and put on for the film. Um, the I feel the issues that are being dealt with are real issues that teachers still deal with. Yeah. Uh, the interactions between all of the students, uh, while exaggerated, are still pretty real. And certainly Miss Norbury's reaction to everything. Yeah, I really liked her. The way she interacted, the dialogue that she had throughout the film felt real. And I think the biggest thing is that I can relate to the character and it makes me think, yeah, that happened to me when I was at school, um, means these are all still relevant things that happen in schools. And um, I'm, I'm venturing into the next question, but, yeah, it is what happens in schools, although there are some things that are really not what happens in schools, like the complete failure to follow up on bullying, using the fire alarm to get control of kids and all the teachers who had no input into what was going on yeah. with students. Like there, yeah, there are some things that are just not accurate. That's not how it would work. Yeah, there's far more teamwork in the. Yeah, yeah but, but there's still a fair bit of this that is pretty accurate. There, there's a lot of truth in it, um, and it may not be truth that we want to look at as teachers, and we may um, say, "Oh, well, that would never happen in a school." But the sad fact is that, yeah, there are schools with rampant bullying and um, things that need to be addressed, and people and there are, are poorly trained. There are plenty worse things that happen in schools that weren't even touched on yes. in this. So, yeah, absolutely, completely, uh, fairly accurate. So relevance, is this relevant to teaching today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's evidenced by the fact that we've talked about this film for so long. It's thrashed through so many different issues. Um, it accurately depicts what is happening in lots of schools. And there are a number of issues that I feel we could have delved into more, uh, but we haven't, because otherwise we'll be here all night. Uh, but, yeah, these are issues that I don't think are just relevant today, will always be relevant, because yeah. children growing up into adults deal with these issues no matter what era they come from. They just take different forms. Um, we mentioned earlier this, is, uh, this film was made before social media, uh, before Facebook was invented. Um, so they may look different now, but the issues will still be the same and teachers still have to deal with them. I think the issues may even be a bit more um, uh, frequent and higher toned, yeah, through social media. So what was contained in a burn book with a few photocopies is now damaging people's reputations for the rest of their lives. Because so, yeah. <laughs> it never comes off the internet. Mm. Uh, so the... Next question, is this a good show? Yeah, it's great. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, if I watch it as an educator thinking, how are they going with teaching, then, gee, there's a lot that annoys me. And I go, gee, that's just, no, you don't do it like that. That's not right. 
But if I just sit back and enjoy a good story and some silly things and some lovable but silly characters, yeah, it's a good bit of fun. Yeah, I, I just see possibilities for professional development, a bit of reflection. <laughs> Let's start this new school year. We're going to have a new direction. We'll be fine. The final question then, do you think this movie would inspire someone to go into teaching? <laughs> oh, see, Miss Norbury is cool. I really like, despite not agreeing with some of her choices um, in terms of how she handles situations, she was a fun and dynamic teacher. Um, yep. And I, I hope I had some of that effect um, on some of my students, particularly her cheekiness um, yeah, and how absolutely. she played. Um, so I find her very interesting and a little bit inspiring. I found her realistic, like she was having an awful home life that was happening, like with the divorce and everything that was happening. She had a second job, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I, I think she's kind of approaching a good role model. See, for me, I think I, I agree the answer is yes, but completely different take on it. Yeah. Um, Tina Fey identified as a mean girl and because she's a comedian, actor, genius, mm. created a film to highlight some of the issues. If she had a different calling in life, being a mean girl would then inspire her to go and be a teacher to teach other kids how not to be as mean. So I think watching this, there are plenty of people who go, yeah, People treated me like that. I want to go and be a teacher to to help stop that from happening. Or you've got the mean girls who go, yeah, my eyes have been open now. I want to go back and give back to the students and say this is how you avoid it. And I think this film does nothing to highlight the 90% um, of the job of teaching that is outside of the work that you actually do in front of students. Mm. Um yeah, there was some marking being done, but really what teacher marks the student's maths test as soon as they hand it in at the table while the rest of the class are working? Well, it's a like, sufficient practice, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. Oh, we'll get into standardised testing and the effect on marking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But um, I think with... If a person was inspired, they'd go into teaching and then find out what the job actually entailed and all the other things. But um, watching this, you go, yeah, I want school to be better. Katie's speech at the end really inspired me, even apart from the bad bits. It really inspired me. Yes, everyone should be getting along. And the epilogue where they moved on and all of a sudden everyone found their place and they became friends. It was, yeah, I could go and help kids get to that point. So, yeah, I reckon it, it could. Yeah. Um, it, it really could. A lot of people who go into teaching weren't exactly the best students in the school and sometimes they've even been the bullies of the school. Um, so they've got a lot more empathy and understanding um, to do that. I'm not talking about myself, of course, I was the bully. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows? But um, it's um, like I went into teaching because I did want to help younger people um, learn to express themselves better and to, you know, improve themselves and become what they wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I watched this film. I find it a bit inspiring. They're trying to deal with some massive issues. And refreshingly, they're dealing with women 
issues. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, which so rarely do you see in films, yeah. particularly school films. Well, on that inspirational note, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Uh, so thank you, Amy, uh, and thank you to Erin Lowe, our filmographer who puts together the information for us to use. Uh, we look forward to seeing you at the movies again next time. Cheerio. Teacher Learning Network is a professional development provider based in Australia. For one flat yearly fee, you can access as much professional development as you like online. There are membership structures for schools and teachers. For more information, go to tln.org.au. See you online. TLN is co-sponsored by the Australian Education Union, Victorian Branch, and the Independent Education Union, Victoria, Tasmanian Branch.